Hello, welcome to the Spirit of Praise broadcast coming to you from Tabernacle of Praise Church International, York, South Carolina. I'm Bishop Alfred Jackson. I'm thankful that you've tuned in today. I pray that the message uh, will bless you and impact your life in a powerful way. Again, thank you for tuning in. Enjoy the message. Hallelujah. Glory to the name of Jesus. Don't Hallelujah. give up on God. Yes, Lord. He definitely won't give up on you. We bless the name of Jesus. Come on and praise the name of Jesus in this house. Hallelujah. If you know that God is able, give him glory. Give him honor and give him praise. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord God. Hallelujah. Praise the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. 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 Bless the Lord for our praise and worship ministry. Amen. Leading us in this time of praise and worship. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. Yeah. Jehovah is the most high God. He's well able to take us through any situation and any circumstance that we face in our lives. And he is the one who's worthy of our praise and our adoration. Hallelujah. I want to encourage you this morning. I was, I thought about this last Sunday and, you know, doing our praise and our worship. You know, traditionally here in America, most churches are so con used to being confined behind pews and we don't like to dance and we don't like to move around. Some of us think it's strange, you know, that we can come to worship and enjoy the Lord. But since you're not confined behind the pew, <laughs> next Sunday, when you come in for praise and worship, be a little bit more looser. Amen? Amen. Dance. Amen. Praise the Lord. Move around. If you don't have a good step, just, just make a step. Amen. Amen. Do something, you know, rather than just come and stand and clap your hands. Praise the Lord. And I know everybody can't do that, but if you can, do it. Praise the Lord. Amen. Amen. We thank the Lord. He's worthy of our praise and he's worthy of our adoration. We thank the Lord for just seeing this day. You may be seated in the presence of the Lord. Amen. And seeing all of you who are in worship this morning, the Lord is good. Amen. He is worthy of our praise. He's worthy of our adoration. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. We're going to go into the word of the Lord uh, this morning, Matthew chapter 19. And I'm going to read again uh, verse, I'm going to read verses 16 through 22, which precedes what I read earlier. Um, as you're turning there, I want to thank those of you ladies who joined me yesterday on our, in our Zoom meeting. I did send the recording out, so those of you who couldn't join, uh, hopefully you'll go back and listen to the recording and read the notes because we're moving forward and there is an assignment that you have to uh, complete before we meet next month, which will be uh, the fourth Saturday morning at 7.30 a.m. Amen. Uh, it's important. Uh, I sent out about 40 or 50-something invitations, uh, and I, we have 14 people online. And thus far, only one person that I've seen has gone back and listened to the recording. So I want to encourage us 
that you please, ma'am, do so. And gentlemen, just give me a moment or two, and we're going to do the same thing with the men. All right. So this morning, let's go into Matthew chapter 19, beginning at verse number 16. Now a man came up to Jesus and asked, Teacher, what good thing must I do to inherit eternal life? Why do you ask me about what is good? Praise the name of Jesus. Why do you ask me about what is good? Jesus replied, there is only one who is good. If you want to enter life, obey the commandments. Which ones, the man inquired. Jesus replied, do not murder, do not commit adultery, do not steal, do not give false testimony, honor your father and mother, and love your neighbor as yourself. <clears throat> All these things I've kept, the young man said, what do I still like? Jesus answered, if you want to be perfect, if you want to be complete, if you want to be like God, Okay, go sell your possessions and give to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come, follow me. When the young man heard this, he went away very sad because he had great wealth. I want to talk about our values and the values of the kingdom of God. Our values the values of the kingdom of God. Subtopic, casting your lot in with Jesus. Casting your lot in with Jesus. So, Father, thank you for this day. Thank you for this opportunity to stand in this holy place and proclaim your holy word. Thank you, Father, for your anointing. I pray for a fresh anointing of your spirit so that I might communicate this word in the way that you want it communicated. And I pray for your power and your ability. Holy Spirit, take over, take control. Use my tongue, use my mouth, use my mind to speak your word today. Be glorified in this place. Release your anointing upon our lives afresh this morning so that yokes will be destroyed and burdens removed from our lives. We can be the people you've called us to do and do the things you've called us to do. Be glorified. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. <clears throat> Casting your lot in with Jesus. Amen. Values. Values. What do you value most in life? What do you value most in life? I think this is the question of the ages for everybody. It's the question that lies at the center of one's loyalty to Christ or loyalty to self. It's also a, a tough question for humans to deal with when we're faced with the decision to follow Jesus wholeheartedly because there are so many things that come at us there's so many things that pull on our loyalty. Yeah. Jesus does give us some help 
as he always does, if we take the time to listen, uh, in Matthew chapter 6, verses 19 through 21, uh, Jesus says, don't lay up for yourselves treasures on earth for moth and rust. Thieves can break through and steal. I'm going to turn that and read it as he says it. Uh, verse 19, do not store up for, for yourselves treasure on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moth and rust do not destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. That, that's a great help as we deal with, with, with our loyalties and our values in life. What do you value most? Now, we could argue, you know, as humans do, we could, we could argue, but, but we're human. <laughs> uh, this existence is all that we know. How can we not lay up for ourselves treasures on earth? We have our lives. We have our families. We have our careers. We have our homes. We have our possessions that we've worked so hard for. How can we not lay up treasure on earth? But the Bible teaches us of another reality. A reality that's different from this reality in this world. It teaches us true reality, and it teaches us about another kingdom. About another kingdom. The kingdom of God, the, the kingdom of heaven, where Jesus Christ rules and reigns in the hearts and the lives of those who have accepted him as their Savior and their Lord, those who've been born again. Where he rules where he rules, and that rulership makes those people a part of, of his kingdom. Uh, through the process of being born of the Spirit of God, uh, we're able to perceive the kingdom of heaven, and we're able to enter the kingdom of heaven. And that's really the only way. And this is from John chapter 3. But Jesus is talking to Nicodemus, unless a man is born again, he cannot see, he cannot perceive, he cannot understand uh, the kingdom of heaven or the things about the kingdom of heaven. And unless one is born of the water and the, and the spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of heaven. Yeah, yeah. Then once we enter throughout our lives, throughout our lives, Throughout our lives. And I have to emphasize that because this is not just a one-time hit, bam, everything's taken care of. No, this is a process. Throughout our lives, as the Holy Spirit works in our lives and as we receive the word on a constant basis and he uses that word, he transforms us to be like him, to think like him, to see like him, to, to understand like him. It's a daily, it's a lifelong process. Amen. Amen. Yeah. However, as we go through this process along the way, we become closer to the kingdom of God than to the kingdom of this world. You know, and, I, and when I wrote that, I, this, 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 this just came into my mind as I thought about, uh, about Enoch who walked with God. 
And Enoch walked with God, and he walked so long with God, God says, come on into heaven, because you're closer to my house than you are to your house. So what happens as we go along the way, and I thank the Lord for long life, amen, as you go along the way in life, and, and this is important because sometimes when you're young, you don't understand sometimes, not all the time, you don't understand this process and, and you're struggling with, with the issues and the values of life. But you got to keep on walking with the Lord. You have to keep on living under God's rulership and submitting to the Holy Spirit in your life, even when your flesh does not want to, because there will come a point that you're closer to the Lord than you are to the world. And desires begin to change. You woke up, wake up one day, you say, oh, I don't want that anymore. Because you got closer to the Lord. You stop flip-flopping. You stop being in and out, you know? Yeah, up and down. Okay. So understanding and submitting to the rulership of the Lord Jesus Christ is one of in one's life is critical because it speaks to us about casting our lot in life in with Jesus and his kingdom. Amen. Yeah, because if you don't cast your lot in with Jesus and his kingdom, the reality is that you've cast your lot in with Satan and his kingdom. There is no middle ground. If you've been following the teaching if you're not a friend of the Lord, you're an enemy of the Lord. And if you're not, if you're an enemy of the Lord, that means you've taken Satan's side. And a lot of people don't understand that and don't see that. They say, well, I don't, I don't do wrong to anybody. I'm basically a good person. No, but are you obedient to the Lord? You know, because it, it, sin, sin is something that God hates. Amen. God hates. Hate sin. And, 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 and the Bible teaches us that God takes vengeance on his adversaries. And we don't, we have not, a lot of us have not caught that concept. I don't want God taking the vengeance on me. That man that wrote that sermon, that book, Sinners in it, what was his name against? Jonathan Edwards, sinners in the hands of an angry God. You know, and, and, and we, don't, we don't think in terms of God being angry, but God is angry because of sin. Sin took Jesus to the cross. Because of sin, Jesus died on the cross. God, Jesus was our perpetuation. Jesus satisfied the wrath of God, but guess what? only for those who accept what Jesus did for them on the cross. So everybody's walking around rejecting Jesus and saying that Jesus is not important. I will not submit to Jesus. The wrath of God is still going to be poured out in that person's life. And there's nobody to stand for them. There's no substitute for them. Jesus is the only substitute. Yeah. So as we look at this text today, let's look at this text today. Uh, this is really encased in a teaching or Jesus' teaching on the kingdom of heaven. And, and as we've said before, the kingdom of heaven is so important. We focus a lot on the church, but the church is simply an agency of the kingdom. 
Amen. And we have to see that. Everyone who follows Jesus, who says that they believe in Jesus, must submit to his rulership. We can't be out here rebelling against Jesus and arguing with Jesus and arguing with his teachings and rejecting his teachings and saying that we're submitted to him. That, 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 that doesn't go together. Doesn't. Your grown children in your house arguing and fussing with you and want to rule the house, and it's your house. That doesn't go together. Put them out. <laughs> You're paying the mortgage. You're paying the taxes. You're paying the bills. And you got grown children in your house arguing with you. You can't submit to me. Get your own place. That doesn't go together. So we say that we're submitted to Jesus. Jesus is our Savior. Jesus is our Lord. But we're doing our own things. Jesus said, why do you call me Lord, Lord, and don't do what I say? Teaching of the kingdom. And we've been talking about the kingdom lately. The Lord has just re-impressed this in my spirit. And I'm really grateful for this study that we're doing on Wednesdays and Thursdays and Sundays. And I just pray that more people are, will engage themselves because it's helping us to get a better understanding of, 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 of God and what he's done for us in Christ Jesus and, well, in this world and understanding theology. Well, it's in the context of his teaching on the kingdom, which begins in Matthew chapter 17, verse 24. I mean, is it, yeah, 17, verse 24. Uh, and, and in 1724, Jesus is dealing with paying the temple tax. And he tells Peter what to do to get the money to pay the temple tax. I won't go into explaining all of that. The, the issue is Jesus paying the temple tax, which shows that Christ submits to the Jewish law. Submission is important, okay? If Jesus is going to teach submission, then he has to submit. And he does submit. He submits to God. He said, I didn't come to do my own will. I came to do the will of him who sent me. He submits to the law. He tells Peter, go fishing. First fish you catch, open his mouth, take the money out, and go pay the temple tax. Okay? Submission. Can everyone say submission? How submitted are you really? You know? I was thinking the other day, and somehow or another, uh, well, I guess this is the Lord bringing it up in a sermon. <laughs> How do you deal with rebuke? How do you handle rebuke? How do you handle chastisement? But we say, I'm submitted to the Lord. I'm submitted to the Lord. I'm just not submitted to the pastor. I'm submitted to the Lord. I'm just not submitted to the elders. Well, how are you submitted to the Lord? And the Bible says, obey those who have the rule over you. So if I would rebuke you for something that you did, and even if I rebuked you sternly, how would you deal with it? If I rebuked you without any compassion, without any feeling, how would you deal with it? Just something to think about. Because we say that we're submitted. I've seen it before in the church. I've seen people who walked away because they were rebuked. Because they felt I didn't have a right to rebuke them. But, but I'm your spiritual covering. I'm your pastor. I see some things you don't see. And people will walk away. I don't have to take that. Who does he think that I am? Or he is. Or she is. 
rebuke. If my wife rebuked you, how would you take it? Oh, she's just Sister Gladys. She's my wife. How would you take it? And why would you take it the way you take it? Is it an issue of the heart? Is it pride? <laughs> Think about it. It doesn't happen here. It happens in churches around the world. I mean, people feel like that no other human being has the right to rebuke them. Huh. Yeah. What do we value? And this speaks to issues of the heart. So, 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 so Jesus, Jesus is showing and demonstrating to his disciples that he submitted. Peter, go pay the temple tax. Then it raises the question, who then is great in the kingdom of heaven? Who then is great? Jesus, if, if we look at you as Lord, as Messiah, as king. Well, he may not have said Messiah at this point. But in his mind, he's thinking about Jesus being the one who's in authority. And he's asking the question, then who is great? If you're submitting, then who is great? And it shows us here that sometimes even in submission to those who are, who are in authority over us, it speaks to where our hearts are. Right. This is the kingdom. It's an important message because it deals with the challenges humans face when it comes to our values as opposed to the values of the kingdom, of, of the values of Christ and his kingdom. Amen? It speaks to the issues of what we value deeply and whether we are willing to trust God and sacrifice those values for the sake of the kingdom of God. That's what this parable, that's what this issue, this situation in the text deals with, all right? This young man comes to Jesus. Rich young man, doesn't tell us this at the beginning, but he's a rich young man, comes to Jesus and says, good master, what must I do to gain eternal life? Yeah, a good teacher. What good thing, he says, must I do to uh, gain eternal eternal life, or to get eternal life. And we've discussed this one, but I'm not going to discuss it much right here. Jesus said, why do you call me good? So, well, I may as well discuss it. So then when he says that, he said, he's making a point. There's one good, there's only one good, and that's God. So if you're saying, calling me good, then you must be calling me God, which is an issue that people face then. They didn't want to accept Jesus as God in human form. Why are you calling me good? But Jesus kind of moves on with that, and he said, okay, all right. Um, there is only one good, who is, one who is good. If you want to enter life, obey the commandments. Oh, that seems simple. I, well, I've done that from my life. You, can you see this man? He's feeling really good right now. You know, because he thinks of himself as a good person. He hasn't done anything wrong. He's kept the letter of the law to the T, which is really a lie because you ain't kept the law to the T. You might think you have, and you may think you've not done anything wrong. You might think you don't do wrong to anybody else but you if you do wrong. Jesus said, 
there is one thing that you lack. If you want to be perfect, it says here in the NIV, if you want to be perfect, which is translated, if you want to, oh, there's only one perfect, right? Who is that? So if you want to be like God, go, sell your possessions, give to the poor, and you will have treasures in heaven. Now, 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 don't say this is a way out for you. Because you say, I don't want to be perfect. <laughs> so, so, oh, that's an out. Because I, I never said I wanted to be perfect. But <laughs> the Bible tells us that we're to be like Christ, who is perfect, to be holy, to be complete, who is God. So there's a challenge to us right there. But let me back up. Let me back up with this for a moment. <laughs> uh, you know, as, as, as I thought about this, and as I was working on this message, and as I looked at, at, at this passage of Scripture, and, 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 and it's speaking to these issues of what we value in life and, and being in the kingdom, I began to reflect over the fact that there are a lot of people who join the church but have never submitted themselves to the Lord Jesus Christ. So they join the church and they get baptized, but they're not submitted to Christ, which means that they're not in his kingdom. And, you know, the old people used to say, and I don't know if they, they understood what they said, uh, they used to say, it's bad to go to hell through the church. You know, I don't really know if they understood the whole issue of kingdom or what have you, but, but, but they were saying this, you don't, you don't join the church and still end up going to hell. The issue is, have you submitted to Jesus? Is he the Lord of your life? Do you view him as your king, as your ruler? Are you in his kingdom? Because it is only when he rules in your life that you are part of his kingdom. And you could be in the church and not in his kingdom. Jesus said, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven, but those who do the will of my Father in heaven. That's what Jesus said. That's what Jesus said. Now, if you're one of those that want to argue with Jesus, argue with the Bible, and you buy into the philosophy, well, the Bible has fallacies in it. This is not correct, and you ain't studied the whole Bible yet but you found fallacies, or you listened to what somebody else said, so you want to argue. Well, argue all you want, but there's one who has the final say. Amen. There's one who has the final say, and that's God. The wonderful thing about those who are in the church and who may not be submitted to the, to the Lord yet is that at least you're in the church. You know, maybe while you're in the church, the word of the Lord will reach you. You're in a place where you're reachable. I mean, you know, it's like going to the hospital. You know, if you're in the hospital and you, you, you have a stroke, you're already there. Nobody has to get you there. You know, you can get help faster <laughs> because you're already there. So that's, that's, that's a good thing about, you know, being a part of the church. You may not be con fully convinced of everything yet, but you're there. You're learning. The Holy Spirit has an opportunity to reach you and to minister to you. The preacher has an opportunity to speak a word of your life or in your life. Other people have opportunities to minister to you. At least you're there. At least you're there. But it comes to a place where you have to submit to Jesus. 
You know, don't be in the church arguing all of your life and debating all of your life. It will be a travesty for you to be in the fellowship of believers and at the judgment seat, hear the Lord say, depart from me, you worker of iniquity, lawlessness. I never knew you. I never knew you. Never knew you. Yeah. So, so what is it that we glean from this, this scripture? And uh, that, that will help us in this, in this uh, challenge to cast our lot in with Christ and his kingdom. As you look at this, I'm not trying to be deep. I'm just trying to be right simple this morning. So this man comes to Jesus. Good master, good teacher, what good thing must I do to inherit eternal life? Okay. Jesus said, there's none good but the Father. Then he says, obey the commandments, which is for some Jews, uh, Pharisees, legalists, they will probably say like this man said, I've kept those from my youth up. Okay. Jesus says, and, and when I read this, it just jumped out at me. Jesus said, when the man says, what do I lack? Jesus answered, if you want to be perfect, go Sell your possessions, give to the poor, come and follow me. Uh, there's something that this scripture doesn't say that I, translation I use is. Okay. All right. So that translation says, if you want to enter life, that's the New King James trans translation. It says, if you want to enter life, the man asks, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Jesus' answer was, if you want to enter life, want to enter life. Now, of course, when you study the translation, it says to us, when you study the commentaries, that many times uh, in the Old Testament, they would just drop off, or in the Bible, in Jewish thought, they would drop off eternal and talk about life. If you want to enter life, but think about it. Jesus is saying to this man that it's not just about going to heaven. Life starts on this side. Even eternal life starts on this side. When you are born again and you are filled with the Spirit of God, you have the guarantee. The Bible talks about first fruits of eternal life on this side. So your relationship with Jesus, your, 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 your being a part of his kingdom is not simply for when you die and go to heaven. It's here. It's in this life. It's on this life. Jesus said, I've come that you might have life and, and have it more abundantly. I don't know why people miss that because a lot of people think, well, if I become a Christian, then I lose the essence of life. I can't have fun anymore. But it depends on what kind of fun you want to have. Hallelujah. Amen. Yeah. Yeah, and then you find out that that fun that you used to have before you knew Jesus wasn't really fun anymore. It wasn't really fun. It was really taking life away from you. When you receive the freedom that comes to a relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ and the infilling of the Spirit, and you begin to receive the wisdom of God, and you begin to understand how life works from God's perspective, and you begin to experience the blessings of God in your life, and the many open doors that the Lord has for you in the midst of your challenges, in the midst of your difficulties, in the midst of your persecution, that's life. That's life. Jesus said, if you want 
if you want to enter life, yeah, keep, ah, there it is. I overlooked it in verse 17. If you want to enter life, obey the commandments. Now, when this man said, I've kept all of them from my youth up, the whole essence, a part of the essence behind the keeping of the law is that people wanted to follow the letter of the law, but they didn't know the spirit of the law, and they didn't follow the spirit of the law. And even today in the church, we can have some very legalistic people. You, know, you got to follow this rule. You got, there's no grace. There, there, there is not the spirit of the law, which is to love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your mind, and with all your strength. When I love the Lord, I'm going to love you. Yeah. So if you want life, then he goes on. And as we look at this, this, this scripture, oh, let me back up, okay? If you want life, I want to talk a little bit more about it. And Mark chapter 8, verse 36, when you think about this issue of having life and how people deal with it, in Mark chapter 8, verse 36, Jesus says, what does it profit a man to gain the whole world, yet forfeit his soul, forfeit his life? When people miss Jesus and the life that he offers, to think that, that the world offers something better, and that Satan, who is the prince of the power there, who is the god of this world, can offer them something better, they miss the essence of life. You can spend your whole life gaining possessions, and that's the issue with the loyalty that we have. Gaining possessions, gaining things, gaining a reputation, you know, fitting in with the world, being accepted by the world. You can spend your whole life doing that and lose your soul, lose your life. What can a man give in exchange for his soul? Yeah. If you want life, if you want to enter life, if you want to enter life, you know, that's a real challenge for us because most of, a lot of people just live. Well, I entered life when I was born and I just followed the flow. I grew up in my family. I went to daycare, kindergarten. I went to elementary school. I went to college. I went to high school. I went to college. I got married. I got a job. I just went with the flow and never deal with the essence of life. Yeah. yeah. Jesus said, if you want, you come and asking me this. Now, that's something interesting about this young man. Nothing wrong with this young man because he has a right desire. We'll talk about that in a moment. But if you want to enter life, learn and keep the spirit of the law, not just the letter of the law. When Jesus is talking, you got to perceive what he's saying. You know, and that's why whenever, when I read that scripture in John chapter 1, when Jesus said, except a man is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of heaven. I see more than the word see. I see what see means. I got to perceive. I got to look beyond the surface. I got to dig deeper. Jesus is dealing with the deeper essence of life. 
So I said there was nothing really wrong with this young man. There's something good about this young man. This young man has an attraction to Jesus. I mean, uh, I don't know, maybe he's been watching, maybe he's seen what has happened, but he comes to Jesus. Jesus doesn't seek for this man. And maybe that's theologically correct, incorrect, because the only way we can come to Jesus is that he reaches for us. So then the Holy Spirit is reaching for this man, drawing this man, okay? Think about this. Here this man comes to Jesus. Good master, good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? So he has an attraction. He has been attracted to Jesus. But at the end of it, he goes away sorrowing. How many people are attracted to the Lord? You're attracted to the worship. You're attracted to the, to, to the fellowship of believers. You're attracted to the songs. I mean, you just love everything there is about Jesus. You just love coming to church. Since 10 years, since I was young enough to lay on my mama's lap, there's never been a time that I hated going to church. Never. Never. And I'm not lying either now. I love going to church. I love the fellowship of believers. That old hymn that says, I love thy kingdom, Lord, the house of thine abode, the church, the blessed redeemer saved by his own precious blood. I used to love to hear that song because I love the church. But when you deal with what you love and the attractions that draw you, what is it? What is it? Is it the songs? And some people do come because they love the choir. They love the praise team. You know, some people do come because they like seeing family and friends. They ain't seen in such a long time. You know, we enjoy getting together. We are attracted to Jesus. But it's more than attraction. Attraction is not enough. And that's why we see this man at the end walking away sorrowful because he was challenged. He was challenged at the point of his values. What do you value more? So, if you want to be like God, go sell all that you have. Sell all of your possessions and give it to the poor. Woo! Sell, sell your house. Sell your, they didn't have a car, so sell your horse and buggy. Sell your shoes. Sell your cloak. Okay, let's bring it into 2021. <laughs> sell your house. Sell your iPad. Sell your computer. Sell your latest version of the iPhone that you just bought and spent all that money for. Sell everything. Sell your land. Sell that house that you just love. You just finished remodeling. Sell it. Sell that new car you just bought. You've been waiting on this car. You've been wanting this car ever since you were a teenager. Wanting this kind of car. Sell it. Not just sell it, because you can't keep the money. 
You can't put it in your 501k. It's 401k. <laughs> Sell it. What? Lord, you must be out of your mind. Sell everything that I have and then give it to poor people who are lazy, who haven't worked for what I work for, you know, who are shiftless, who don't, who don't care for anything. Sell it. The Lord is saying to us that if we're going to inherit life, there has to be an exchange. There has to be an exchange. Those things that you value most. Lord, have mercy. Come sell my children too, Lord. <laughs> Some people want to get rid of their children. What do you mean? God said, if you're going to have life, if you're going to be a part of me and be a part of my kingdom, and I know that's extreme, and that was extreme for that young man to hear. But God is saying, if you're going to be a part of me and be a part of my kingdom, there has to be an exchange. You can't come and follow me and keep on, keep on valuing the things of the previous life that you used to value. You place more value on yourself. You place more value on your things. You place more value even on your family than you do for me. And then you expect to submit to my rulership. It can't happen. It can't happen. And that's a challenge for us, and especially today, because we have more things today than our parents had. Well, I'm a little bit older than you all. Than your grandparents had. We've got more things. And a lot of us enjoy our things. And then when you deal with the whole issue of family, usually hear people say, blood is thicker than water. <laughs> I mean, I love my family. I'm going to stand with right or wrong. I'm going to stand with my family. And that's the way people think. But Jesus is saying that if you're going to follow me, if you're going to be in my kingdom, if you're going to be like God, there has to be an exchange. And you got to get rid of it all. You got to change the way you think. And you can't keep it. You can't just sell the possessions. You can't make the exchange of the things and then keep the proceeds. You got to get rid of it all. You got to give it away. That's a big challenge for us. But he's saying, if you're going to follow me, and it's just, just the same way as he said about discipleship, if anyone will come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. Now, now we have to think, with all of the responsibilities that we have, how much time do we take for God? Even if you deal with stewardship and being a good steward, and we like the fact that we... That, well, at least I only have to give 10%. <laughs> we categorized it, and we meet that 10%. But how much more do we give? And is it just 10% of your finances? Is it, or is it 10% of your time, 10% of your resources? You know, then how do we calculate that? But when we understand the essence of stewardship, everything belongs to God. 
And the Lord is saying, you've got to learn to trust me with your life. That's the essence of this. You have to learn to trust me with your life. That's when you follow me. And what happened with the young man? When he heard the challenge, he valued the things that he had more than trusting God. He came with the right attitude. I want to know what else do I need to do, Lord? I've, I mean, I've been faithful and I love my neighbor. You say you love your neighbor, you see your neighbor in need and you walk by them. Now I'm telling you to sell everything and give it to that neighbor that's poor. The challenge of what we value as opposed to what the Lord values. Are we willing to cast our lot in with Jesus and his kingdom? Are we still holding out? Are we still holding back? God, I'll give you these old clothes. You can send them on the mission field, but I just bought this now. And I paid $200 for these shoes. I can't send them on the mission field. You know, as much as we don't like to think that we're like the world, we've been so programmed by the world. I was reading this article several years ago about uh, Firestone, Firestone, the company Firestone here in the United States, who has leased, in the beginning of the establishment of Liberia, they, they leased millions of acres of land for $1, I believe it was. And they, they have these rub, the rubber plantation in Liberia, probably other parts of the world. Firestone, Firestone. Some of you have Firestone tires on your car. You know Firestone. Making plenty of money around the world. So several years ago, there was a lawsuit. And it was like, and the article, somehow or another, I saw it. It was a little small article in USA Today. There was a lawsuit in a a, a court in Texas. Bless the name of Jesus. Just go. That's okay. He'll go back out just the way he came in. All right. So, uh, there was a lawsuit, and the Firestone argued, their argument was, now these are people that are paying people, at that time, $25 a month. They give them a place to live, of course, but it's not a, when you see the houses on the plantation, it's not a big house. You know, it's, it's not, it's probably, it's probably the size of from here to the wall to that wall. And they give free medical care for up to two children in the family. If you have more than two children in the family, we'll deal with that when service is over. Amen. Amen. All right. Yeah. So two medical care for up to two children. Anything after two? I mean, you get happy and you want to have three or four, that's on you. But medical care for two people, $25 a month. The argument was that they were paying the people commensurate to the standard of living in Liberia. I don't know what happened to the lawsuit, but I just happened to see that. But that's the way people think. Those are poor people. They don't deserve what we have. We work for hours. So if I give, I'm not going to give on the same level that I expect to receive but I expect that I would have for myself. That's the way people think, even in the church, because of our values, 
what we value. It's not kingdom. It's not kingdom. We make sacrifices. Do we really make sacrifices? Some of us do. But some of us do what's convenient. A sacrifice is not convenient. It's not convenient. A sacrifice is inconvenient. But who am I inconveniencing myself for? It's an inconvenience to me. Does it, does it push the kingdom of God forward? Does it put me in a position where I'm better able to see and perceive the kingdom of God and submit my life more to the rulership of Jesus The Lord said to that man, sell everything you have, give it to the poor, then come and follow me. Here we are trying to follow Jesus, and we haven't sold everything that we have. My mind goes back to a sermon I heard, an old preacher preached when I was a teenager from this very same scripture. I had to be about 17, 16, 17 years old because it was at a neighboring church. And I promised the Lord that when I got my license that I would be in church every Sunday. We had service second and fourth Sunday. And I wanted to be in church every Sunday. Back then, you know how it was, those of you who are older. you know. So I promised the Lord, when I get my license, Lord, I'm gonna be in church in every Sunday. Believe me, I got my driver's license. There was not a, just about, not nearly a church, especially a Baptist church then, you know, that, that was the way. That was not a Baptist church that I didn't go to. But I heard this man preach a sermon, and here I am, almost 67 years old, and I still hear that preacher saying, sell out. You got to sell out everything. Now, did I do it then? Nope. But some things I used to, I can say like the old people, the things I used to do, Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. I don't want to do it anymore. It's a process of the Holy Spirit transforming and changing my value system so that I value the things of God. I value the teachings of the Lord. The Lord's way is right. I'm not arguing anymore. I used to argue when I was younger. I don't argue with the Lord anymore. Yes, Lord. Your way is right. I've seen your hand at work. I've seen the value of your word. I've seen the power of your word. I've seen the value of submitting to you. I don't have an argument. Mm -mm. If I'm wrong, the Lord is right. Let every man be a lie. Let God be true. Go. Exchange that value system that you've had in the world that you grew up with, that you've been mentored in, that you've been shaped in. You're going to have life. You've got to make that exchange. Then come and follow me. Listen. The teaching, that's why I read, had the other part read earlier. 
Jesus is not asking you to exchange your value system and then you're going to be left out. You're not coming up short. Read the rest of the chapter. There is no one, because the disciples said, Lord, how can this thing be? Who can be saved? Notice how they tied what Jesus was saying to salvation. But Jesus says later on in that chapter, you think about this. He says later on in this chapter, and everyone, King James says it twisted around, there is no one. But it says, and everyone, verse 21, who has left houses or brothers or sisters or father or mother or children or fields, fields like land, property, for my sake, will receive a hundred times as much and will inherit eternal life. You're not going to be left short. The Lord doesn't leave you short. This is because those people, even family members who don't know the Lord, remember when Jesus was teaching one day and the people came to him and said, Master, your, your, your mother and your brothers are looking for you. Jesus said, who is my mother? Who are my brothers? Then he looked at his disciples and pointed at those that were, he said, these are my mother. This is my mother, my brothers and my sisters, and everyone who does the will of my father. That's a challenge for us. We are so connected. We love our family so much. Some of us will refuse to yield to Christ and take Christ's way if it goes against what family says it does. Jesus said, there has to be an exchange. You're going to follow me. There has to be an exchange. Didn't say don't love mama, love her, but there has to be a line drawn. If you're not a part of the kingdom of the Lord, if you're not willing to, to submit to the kingdom of the Lord and his teachings, there's a line drawn. Love your children. Bring them up. If you really love them, bring them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. But if they choose to go a different way, there has to be a line drawn. If you're going to follow Jesus, you're going to be a part of his kingdom. Love your husband. Love your wife. But if they choose not to follow Jesus, there has to be a line drawn. If you're going to follow him and be in his kingdom. That's a challenge for us. God bless you. Let's stand. If there is someone today who's heard this message and this message has touched your heart and made you think about your values as opposed to the values of the kingdom we're called to be in his kingdom, not just to be a member of the church. Deal with the issues of the kingdom. Cast your lot in with Jesus. You will not suffer lack if you cast your lot in with Jesus. It's the promise of the word. The Lord is faithful. The Lord watches over his word to perform his word. He does. He does. If you want to cast your light in with Jesus, I want you to pray this prayer with me. And it has to be a decision of your will. 
We can't force anybody to be saved. We're not trying to force anybody to be saved. We're not trying to scare you into salvation. No. You have to realize that Jesus is the Lord and the Christ. He is the Messiah. He is the one who God sent to be the substitute for you in satisfying divine justice because of your sins. You deserve to die, to be eternally separated from God because of your sin. We're all going to die physically. Right now, if you're outside of Christ, you're dead spiritually, but you can be born again by the Spirit of Almighty God. You can come to life in Christ. But if you don't, the Scripture teaches us that the day will come that you'll be eternally separated from God. You don't want that. You don't want that. Jesus died in your place. He died because he loved you, and he loves you, and he wants you to have eternal life that starts with life on this side. So if you want Jesus to be your Savior, he's the only provision God has made. There is no other provision for salvation. Jesus is the only provision, the only provision. Doesn't matter how good you think you are. Don't matter if you're just as good as the next person. That's not how God measures things. God measures goodness by himself and to himself. He's the only one who's good, righteous, and holy. Can you measure up to God? No. But there is a way that God will accept you. It's through faith in Jesus. And you become justified because of your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. So if you want that, if you want the provision that God has made for your salvation, pray this prayer with us. Lord Jesus, I am a sinner. I cannot save myself. But Lord Jesus, I believe that you died on the cross for my sin. You took my place on that cross because I deserve death for my sin. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you for dying on the cross for me. I accept your sacrifice. I accept the fact that you shed your blood, you gave your life for me. Lord Jesus, come into my life. Be my Savior. Be my Lord. I receive you now. And I thank you for saving me. Amen. If you prayed that prayer as simple as it sounded, if it is a decision of your will, the Lord accepted that prayer. And the Lord saved you. That's the provision that he made for you. That's what he willed in his word for you to be saved. Now, this is what we want you to do. Write to us. Let us know that you've received Jesus as Savior and Lord so that we can follow up with you. Remember me saying that this is a lifelong process. We're supposed to help each other in this process. You're not born again just to be out here on your own. We have to help you. Write to us and let us know. 
so that we can follow up with you. We can help you find a church in your area. If you're in this area and you want to be a part of this fellowship, we welcome you to come. We welcome you to be a part of this fellowship. And let's grow together in the Lord. For those of you in the sanctuary, just lift your hands. And even online, I want to pray for you. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for the power of your word. Thank you, Lord, that you love us so much that you will challenge us in your word, through your word, by your spirit, at those points that make us deal with who we are and what we value. Especially today, Father, we thank you for loving us. Thank you, God, for challenging us and helping us move a bit farther along the spectrum of becoming, of being your disciple. Now, Lord, in this sanctuary, I pray for every person that's going through trials, troubles, and tribulations. I pray for every situation and circumstance that your people are facing in their personal lives. And I pray in the name of Jesus that as you move in these situations and circumstances, we will behold your glory and that we will wait to see your hand at work in our lives. Grant us your wisdom. Grant us your direction. Grant us your help. We need you today. If there are sick among us today, Jehovah Rapha, you're the God who heals. I speak healing. I plead the blood of Jesus over every and against every sickness today. I call forth health today because your word says you desire that we prosper and be in health as our souls prosper. I pray for every family, every marriage, every household. I pray for every business dealings. I pray to God for kingdom businesses to be manifested. I pray God for, for finances to be increased into the hands of those who are faithful in doing your work and your will. We thank you today, God. We give you praise. We give you glory. We give you honor. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. Hallelujah. God bless you. Thank you. Thank you for coming today. I pray that the word of the Lord will bless you, has been a blessing to you and will continue to bless your life as you meditate over the word of the Lord. Please, ma'am and please, sir, I leave for Dominican Republic on Wednesday. I desire your prayers. Amen. And I will be back. Amen. Hallelujah. God bless you. May heaven smile upon you. Now may the grace of our Lord, our, our grace of God, the love of our Lord and our Savior Jesus Christ and the sweet communion of his Holy Spirit rest, rule, and abide with us now and forevermore. Let the people of God say together, Amen. I pray that you've been blessed by the message. And if you have, write to us. Let us know how this message has impacted your life. Or if you've made a decision for Christ today to follow Jesus as your Savior and your Lord, write to us and let us know that as well and give us your information so that we can follow up with you. You may write to us at Tabernacle of Praise at msn.com. That's Tabernacle of Praise at msn.com. Give us your email address or a way to contact you so that we can follow up with you. Also, we would like for you to sow into this ministry. If you've been blessed by this work, by the preaching of the gospel and the teaching of the gospel, and you would like to help further this cause, we're not just preaching here in the United States. We are preaching around the world. Through this podcast, our messages are being heard in many places around the world. 
We are actively working in eight countries in the world, on the ground in Liberia, Malawi, Burkina Faso, Ghana, Guinea, uh, Kenya, and Dominican Republic. So if you'd like to help us in this work, feel free to sow a seed to help further the preaching and teaching of the gospel of Jesus Christ and the expanding of the kingdom of God. If you would like to give, go to topraise.org forward slash give. Again, thank you for tuning in. Thank you for listening. Continue to pray with us and for us as we continue to spread this gospel of Jesus Christ around the world. God bless you.